You're listening to Rabbi Arya Wolby, Director of Torch, the Torah Outreach Resource Center of Houston. This is the Jewish Inspiration Podcast. So I want to talk about Elul, the month of Elul, which now we're today's third day of the month of, of the Hebrew month of Elul. It's the last month of the year, so to speak, because uh, Rosh Hashanah is a time where we it says, This is the day of the beginning of creation. It says that six, that, that six days earlier, God began the process of creation, the 25th of Elul. And then that sixth day was the day that God created man. That's the day of Rosh Hashanah. That's the day we were created. That's the day that we start all over again. We start, we have a whole new opportunity God created us, and we know this very fundamental principle. If there is something that happened at the origin of creation, it lasts for forever. That same impact. And just like we have the day of Tisha B'Av, is a day of, of eternal sadness for the Jewish people, right? Because the Jewish people cried on that day in vain. God says, this day will forever be a day of crying, a day of mourning. A day of tears. And many terrible tragedies befell the Jewish people specifically on that day. Sukkot is a time of happiness, an unbelievable joy that comes back every year. It, it's cyclical. It comes back every year, right? It's an unbelievable system that we have. On Rosh Hashanah, it is the beginning of creation of mankind. This is when the Jewish people, when, when the world, when Matt Adam, right, when mankind was created. But God says, one second, now I have to take an evaluation of all of mankind. Let me see, is it worthwhile to continue this mega investment in humanity, or should I just end this? And that goes generally and specifically, individually, to each one of us, where God says, okay, let me look at this person and see, is it worthwhile for me to keep this person here? It's a huge investment of resources. Imagine the amount of oxygen. Imagine the amount of unbelievable resources, the food that God has to give every single creation on planet Earth. So this is an enormous judgment day, not only for us as individuals, but for the entire humanity as a whole to be in this world, in existence. That's what Rosh Hashanah is. We have to understand that Rosh Hashanah, yes, this year it's going to be more difficult. It's going to be different. It's going to be uniquely challenging. Because we're not going to have our synagogues open as they always are. We're not going to have access like we always have. And it's going to be more challenging. So what I would like to do is focus the next four weeks on gaining those tools that are necessary so that when we stand Rosh Hashanah in our homes, wherever we might be, that it be filled with uplifting and as an uplifting experience. It should be life-changing. It shouldn't be something which is, oh, I tuned in. It was nice. They blew the shofar and said, and that was it. No, it should be something which is a life-changing experience. It should be something which is uplifting. The only way to do that is if we have proper preparation. And if we have proper preparation, when we start Elul, just now, the beginning days of Elul, we set forward this path. We set forth this path of transformation and that's really the goal the goal of these days preceding Rosh Hashanah is to transform who we are so let's begin from okay so God is our investor 
God is our biggest believer. He loves us. He thinks that we're the most incredible human being. Every single one of us, God believes in us. And God knows how great we are. But we have to be worthwhile the investment that God puts into us. We have to show the Almighty that, yes, I'm a good investment. We've shared this idea before. But imagine you sat with your investors. Sat with your investors on a, pro, on, on a project you're starting a new business. And you tell your investors, listen, if you invest $100,000 with me, in six months, you'll have 150000 Who wouldn't do that investment? You kidding? That's 50% guarantee in six months? That's like unprecedented. And people get 5%, 10%. That's a great return. 12% is fantastic return. 50%. Imagine that. Okay. So you give your guarantees. And now that people invest and people are investing their, their initial offerings of, of your new business that you're starting. Okay. So you get on the, on the way. And now six months later, they all come back and they say, okay, no, how's it going? And you say, well, let me explain. Before we were able to do all the incredible, exciting things that we wanted to do, I had to take care of some personal matters. I had to buy my wife a car, and I had to do this, and I had to do that. And these are all very important things. So it didn't really work out for the first round of investment. But if you invest another 100000 then you'll see even greater results. And you look to yourself, and you're like, what? Was I just scammed? Was I just scammed of my investment? Is there anybody here? who would say, yes, thumbs up, I'm throwing more money at you. I don't think a single, a single human being would say that's a good investment, that it's a sound investment. Are you kidding? You run for the hills. This guy's a thief. Take him to court. Right? You're kidding? You bought your wife a car. You went on vacation. You went on a cruise. And now you're telling me you want more money for another investment. Comes Rosh Hashanah, God says, hey, I gave you all of these resources. Where's my return? I say, God, let me explain. Last year was a rough year, okay? It was a rough year. Give me one more year, and you'll see incredible returns. And he's got to be nuts. Wait, you said that last year. And you said that the year before. Any year before, any year before. Every year, you keep on telling me this year is going to be the year. And we think God is crazy, but God continues to invest in us. You know why? Because he really believes in us. He really believes that we are capable of producing those results that we're promising. See, he says, you know what? I love you so much, I'm going to invest in you in another year. But you know what's a better argument than that for us? If we start through the month of Elul and making those changes to become the ultimate person that we know that we can become. If we take these days preceding Rosh Hashanah and we say, you know what? I'm going to try to pray the way I should pray. I'm going to try to say blessings the way I can say them. And I'm going to try to be nice to my fellow Jew. I'm going to try to be nice to my neighbor. I'm going to try to be, be respectful to everyone around me. I'm going to try to do all of the things that I know that I really should be doing, but I've been pushing it to the back burner. I've been pushing it aside. This is the time right now to say, you know what, when I come back into that room with my investor on Rosh Hashanah, the Almighty, I'll be able to tell them, look at the past 28 days. They've been exemplary. Look at the past, you know, 
few weeks, I showed what I'm capable of doing. We think it's a trick. What do you think? It's a trick. We come on Yom Kippur, we're all dressed in white, and we're all pristine, and we're all, everything is, oh, we're waiting for that moment. Kol Nidre, everything. Oh, who are we fooling? Who are we fooling? Right after Yom Kippur, we're right back to uh, the bagel and locks, and we're uh, talking about uh, the rabbi's sermon. Well, I don't think it really was right. I don't like his political leanings, or I don't like his this, and I, already Lashon Hara, already right back to where we were. You know, it's an interesting thing. You know, we say every night when we begin the evening service, we say a few verses that say, He, the merciful one, should forgive and atone our sins. We say that every night before at the beginning of the, 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 the evening service of Arvik, of Marit, on Yom Kippur night, at the end of Yom Kippur, after we fasted 25 hours, and we're finished now in Elah, and we're on the high of highs. We also say that. We just finished a day of pristineliness, a day of perfection. And guess what we say? The minute we're done with the day of Yom Kippur, he, the merciful one, should forgive and atone our sin. Well, we just finished the whole day of atonement. We just finished the whole day of forgiveness. Why already are we praying, God, forgive us? You know why? Because many a people can say from that last second, they're like, we're done with this, right? <laughs> Is that the right way to, to leave Yom Kippur? Even that one second, that last, like one second, oh, we're done with this, okay? Shoo, Yom Kippur, over. You're rushing out of it. God, please atone, forgive my sins. Already, I've been rushing to get out of this. You have to understand that God is so merciful. God is so forgiving, so kind, so compassionate. And he loves us. He wants our closeness. He wants it. He desires it. It's in our prayers. It's in our prayers. We say this every single day. Where God loves us. He wants our closeness. God, you love us with such an abundance of love. We, we just talk about all of God's kindness to us, his goodness to us, never ending. Now is the time to get a hold of it, to bring ourselves into a reality that will transform who we are, to change the way we look at our friends. To change, by the way, starts not with looking at our friends, to change the way we look at ourselves. Right? Is anybody here ever think that the Chafetz Chaim, the great holy sage, the saint, right? The Chafetz Chaim, did anybody think he woke up one day and said, okay, ah, what a great day. Today I'm going to be the Chafetz Chaim. No, that's not what happened. Rabbi Moshe Feinstein didn't have that. My grandfather of blessed memory, right? All of these holy sages, they didn't wake up one morning and say, that's it, I'm going to become a sage. You know what? They went through many hardships and many struggles and many difficult times and overcame them. You know, I saw a beautiful idea. You know, how do we plant the tree? Where do we put the tree? Do we put it into gold and silver? We plant the tree. What do we do? We put it into dirt. You're putting this tree that you want to get apples out of, that you want to get oranges and tangerines and, and all these incredible fruits and vegetables. You put them into what? Into dirt? And then what grows of it? It grows a beautiful tree. 
to tell us all that sometimes we think we're in the mud. It's just an opportunity for us to grow fruit. It's just an opportunity. Don't get locked down on how difficult times are. Guess what? To grow a beautiful tree, you have to put it into mud. You have to put it into dirt. And then a beautiful tree grows out of it. That's part of us. In order to make us be so great, we also sometimes are in the dumps. We're also sometimes in a difficult situation. But that we have to realize is part of our growth. The first thing we need in our process of becoming ready for Rosh Hashanah is to recognize that Hashem loves us. If we don't realize that Hashem loves us, it's a very big challenge because then we can't get to second base. Right? There's nothing that can happen if we don't realize the unbelievable love that He has for us. And when we realize the love that Hashem has for us, we can reciprocate that love and say, you know what, Hashem, I see how much good you've done for me, how unbelievably compassionate you've been to me. You've forgiven me. You've given me years and years. And you're all very young. You look like you're in your 20s, right? So 20, 25 years that Hashem has been giving you another year and another year and another year. Whether or not you were doing the right thing or not the right thing, Hashem continues to reinvest. Wow. He's so generous. He's so gracious. It's unbelievable. Now that we have that relationship, I understand that now I can talk to Hashem. Now I can communicate with Hashem. It's a big problem. I mentioned this last week, I think, in one of the classes. I don't remember which class. If it was here, then I apologize. But Elon Musk was saying, he says, you all know I don't believe in God. But even I prayed for the success of the, of the space shuttle, that you know, the SpaceX. That, that, that he, he says, even I prayed. What do you mean, even you prayed? If you don't believe in God, what are you praying? Deep down, we all believe. Deep down, we all have embedded faith in a creator. Just like I had a boy who was here at my house. He came with his father for Shabbat dinners, many before COVID. The boy made sure to mention to me, again, he's 10 years old, or 12 years old. And he says to me, you know that I, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in God. I said, wow, that's amazing. The same God that you don't believe in, I don't either believe in him. Right? The, the problem is that your idea of God is the wrong idea. So I don't need to believe in that idea. I don't need to believe in that. But let me tell you what the real God is about. And he says, ah, you know, I really don't, I don't believe in this God. I said, fine. So as I was walking them out at the end of the meal, and I think they had a great time. But as I was walking them out, I said to him, I said to the little boy, he was walking out with his father. I said, you see this bench over here? He says, yeah. I said, do you know where that bench came from? She says, you went to a store. I said, are you crazy? I said, it fell down from heaven. One day, it was just from heaven. There was a chair. A bench just showed up here. She says, come on. Benches don't just fall from heaven. Then it doesn't just happen. I said, and you think a world as sophisticated as ours just happens? Evolution? Big Bang? Just happened? If a little bench can't get here, on its own, how can a world as sophisticated as ours, a human body that's as sophisticated as ours, just happen on its own? It can't just happen on its own. You believe that this bench was assembled and put together by human, right? Because it doesn't just happen on its own. This world doesn't happen on its own. Nothing happens on its own. 
The minute we're able to establish that relationship with Hashem, the minute we're able to understand that we're, we're dependent on Him, then now we can open up our hearts to Him. And we can say, Hashem, I screwed up a little. It wasn't the greatest year. I had hoped, I had made high hopes. But you know what? We're all learning Torah together now. Isn't that a step? We're all going to synagogue. We're trying to go to synagogue. Isn't that a step? That's not a step. It's a leap. It's an enormous leap. That every day we have people coming to classes, learning online because they can't come to a physical class. You know what God thinks about that? He says, look at my children, how beautiful they are. Look at my children, how dedicated they are. He says, you know what he says? He says, Lily, tell me what you want. No problem. I got this taken care of. I see your commitment. I see your dedication. Just tell me what it is you want. I'll give it to you. And it's, I'm not just saying this to make you feel good. I, I'm, I'm sincere about this. The Almighty looks at what we're doing here, and he loves it. He says, ah, how delicious. My children are learning Torah. Nothing is going to stop them. And you know how I know that it's so important and how God loves it so much? Because look at how the Yetzirah tries to fight us. Look how the Yetzirah tries to fight us. How many uh, Zoom bombers there have been trying to stop Torah classes. You know what these Zoom bombers are? They go onto classes. They put terrible images on, on the screens. And they do terrible things. For what? What's the problem? The people are sitting and learning Torah? The Yetzirah says, no, I can't give you guys this. I can't give you this ticket. Because it's a very powerful ticket. We come in front of the Almighty on Rosh Hashanah. We say, you know something? Didn't miss a class. I prayed as much as I can every single day. I said the Shema. I'm trying to incorporate the things that I'm learning into my life, into our lives. That's a very powerful request. Hashem, that's just one year. Imagine if you give me another year. You're my investor. You give me another year, you know what I can do? I can become a Torah scholar. I can become a sage. I be, right? It's not far from the truth. Not at all. It's something which is attainable. In a couple of weeks, we're going to read the portion of Nitzavim and Vayelach. And over there we say, he said, we say, Moshe was talking, this is three days before he died. Sorry, the last day of his life. The last day of his life. And Moshe says, I'm going to die today. I'm going to die today. But I want you to know something. The Torah is not distant from you. The Torah, Lora Chokahi, it's not far from you. It's within the ability of your mouth and the ability of your heart to attain that closeness. That's it. We think, oh, we need to have the synagogues, we need to have the rabbis, we need to. No, you don't. Within the ability of your mouth, and the ability of your heart. To connect to Hashem. That is it that's necessary. You think, oh, you got to travel. You have to travel over the seas. I got to go to Jerusalem. I have to go be it. No, you don't have to do that. It's it's in the ability of your mouth and your heart. There was a man who once came to the Chafetz Chaim and he says, look at this individual. He talks. He can't understand the word he's saying. He says, rah, 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 rah. He said, maybe you should tell him to not pray. He says, what's amazing? He says, every parent understands their child. 
I've seen this with my children. My children would say something, and my guests would say, what? I'm like, yeah, he wants his pacifier. Like, what? How do you understand that from what they said? Because I'm the father. And my wife is the mother. And parents understand the language of their children. And when they say some things, there's sometimes that only a mother can understand. With her great intuition, she can understand. Guess what? The Almighty, the Chafetz Chaim, said to that person, the, the our Father in Heaven, understands every word we say. And if you don't know the verses, and if you don't know how to read it in Hebrew, and if you don't know the song, God understands it. God understands it perfectly because we're his children. And a parent understands their child. There's an amazing story told by the great Rabbi Shlomo Kalbach of blessed memory. So he was once visiting in a shul in Krakow. I believe it was in Krakow. He walks into shul and he hears the chazan. And the guy's mumbling words. The guy, the guy can't sing on tune. And Rabbi, you know, Shlomo Kalbach says, he says, this is such a disgrace. They can't put a chazan up there who knows how to read the words. They can't put a chazan up there who can sing on tune. They can't put, uh, he says, I'll bet. And he says in his mind, he says, I heard the story from him. He says, I bet that this guy is probably just a wealthy donor who has a yard site. And therefore they put him up there. He says, what a disgrace. What a disgusting. And he's going on the whole prayer. He's thinking to himself, he's like, what a disgusting way to have prayer Shabbos morning that you put up a chazan. He can hardly read the words. He can hardly pronounce things properly. He's off tune. What is wrong with them? How can they do this? And the whole time he's just, he just wants to leave the shul. It's like so disgusting. He's so disgusted by this chazan. Okay. Comes time to take the Torah out of the ark and they bring the Torah to the chazan. And they see that two people are holding the chazan. So Rabbi Kalbach asks the people next to him, he says, well, what's, what's going on? Why are they holding him? He said, oh, this is the blind chazan. So what, what, what do you mean? He says, before the war, he was the chazan. People would travel from far and wide to come hear this chazan. He was a famous chazan. The most beautiful voice. He would sing the most beautiful melodies. And we asked him, to do one davening for us, one davening, and he finally agreed to daven for us. He said he didn't want to. Why? Because during the Holocaust, they beat him so badly that he wasn't able to speak properly. He, wasn't, he lost his ability to sing a tune. And Rabbi Kavach saw this. And as the Chazan was walking with the Torah, he felt so terrible. He said he felt so ashamed of himself for judging this person wrongly. He said, instead of kissing the Torah, he took the chazan's hand and kissed the chazan's hand. And he said he was crying, not realizing how beautiful and uplifting that prayer was. See, to his naked ear, this is off tune. This is, this is crazy. But understanding the backdrop, understanding what was really going on, he understood that this was the most beautiful prayer from the heart. This is the most beautiful melodies of someone who was no longer able to sing with a melody. He says the next, that, that day, he went with that chazan and he was talking to him, heard a story about his life, about his family, about all of his siblings that were shot dead before him. 
He, re- he said he went for long walks. He said every single time he went to visit that city, he would go visit his new friend, his new best friend, this Chazan. Everything changed. See, we're living in a world that's very superficial. We're living in a world that's very outward. Everything is show. Everything is, but the heart is what counts. It's the neshama that counts. It's the purity that counts. That's what really counts. We're living in a world where everything is so external, where we judge everything from the outside. How beautiful is the voice? How beautiful is the heart, we should ask. How pure is the heart, we should ask. That's what we need on Rosh Hashanah. We need to take this time every day we have between now and Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur to ask ourselves, what can I do to become a better person? What can I do to become more godly? What can I do to make myself, my home, my family more spiritual, more uplifted, more connected to the Almighty? That's the job of our Rosh Hashanah. Our Rosh Hashanah is to show that we've got so far beyond what anyone could have imagined. I'll tell you the most incredible thing. They say that when a person passes away, they forget everything. They forget their name. They forget who they were. And all they see, because we're familiar, we look in the mirror and we see, ah, my name is uh, Lenny Cameraman, and I'm a really handsome guy. Okay, you see, and he combs his hair, and he shaves, and he's looking all good. He says, this is who I am. But that's not really who Lenny Cameraman is. Uncle Lenny is in a shama. He's a soul that's wrapped in a package, in a beautiful package called the physical body. The problem is when we get to the world to come, we're not that physical body anymore. And we look in the mirror and we're like, who's that? <laughs> I don't know who that guy is, right? That's what the neshama is. And we have to connect with our neshama. We have to connect with our soul. Not to be the external person, but to be the internal person. That's what Rosh Hashanah is about. Rosh Hashanah is, is about connecting with the inner person of who we are, our potential, our greatness. That's what we're trying to accomplish in Rosh Hashanah. Where we come in front of the judgment of Hashem and we say, God, give me another year, I'll tell you why. You know that Marsha that you saw last year? That's not me anymore. I'm a new person. I'm a new Marsha. Because look at all the changes that I made. Look at all the changes I made to my life. My prayer is no longer like my old prayers. Now I'm a new person. My belief in Hashem, my trust in Hashem is very different than it was. It's new. I'm not the same old person. I'm a new person. That's what teshuva is. Teshuva is repentance. Repentance means I, it, it, I'm completely transformed. I'm not the same person anymore. Yes, my old person did some terrible things. I agree. I've asked forgiveness. That I've changed my ways. That I've come closer. And that's why we're pleading for another year. It's not in the bank. By the way, it's a, very, it's a very frightening thought, but every person who lost their life this year was already on Rosh Hashanah determined that they were going to pass away. 
Every dollar that you earned this year was already predetermined on Rosh Hashanah that that's what you will earn. And next year, it's exactly the same, except hopefully different numbers. We hope to earn more money. We hope to live a better life, a life that's filled with enrichment. Of, and, but these are the things that we need to prepare for. And we need to do everything we can to make it so that when we come on Rosh Hashanah, we don't just stand there in our white clothes and say, God, I'm in it for the right reasons. And No, no, no. God here is proof in the pudding. I changed. I'm a different person. And that's why I'm worthy of another investment. It's not a given. It's terrifying. It really is terrifying. But yet, we have to also remember another thing. Our day of judgment, which is Rosh Hashanah, days of judgment, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, are very different than other days of judgment. Someone who has a court case, it's frightening. It's terrifying. I'm going to have to st stand in front of the king. In in, I'm going to stand in front of the almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. And I'm going to have to argue my case. Why should God be investing? Frightening. You stand in front of a, a, a judge in court. It's frightening. He says, did you speed? Yes, your honor. Don't you know that it's against the law? It's breaking the law. You're a criminal. Granted, it's not a very serious crime. It could be, actually. But it, it, it's frightening. Standing in front of a judge. But in Judaism, we don't find that fright. On the contrary. We have a beautiful big brisket that we prepare. We have good food. And we buy the finest wines. What's going on? Is this a day of judgment or is this a time to party? Which one is it? It's both. It's both. We celebrate Rosh Hashanah, a day of judgment, because we know that Hashem loves us. And because we know that the judge loves us, he wants to do good for us. And what we're trying to show on Rosh Hashanah, God, look how good we are. Look how good we could be. Look at our potential. We're going to invite our friends. We're going to say good things. We're going to blow the chauffeur. We're going to do all these incredible things. Because we love you and we want the relationship with you. Give me another year so that I can continue inv investing in this relationship. That is our goal. That is our mission for Rosh Hashanah. All of creation is judged. All of creation. Every animal. Every human. Everyone is judged. God says... I put forward this world, what's the status? Should I continue this or not? And we pray to continue because our ultimate goal is not just to live. Our goal is to bring God into this world. That's our goal. Putting politics aside, putting every election aside, putting all of that aside, our real goal is bringing God into our world. How do we do that? Bringing him into our lives. It really is a, a remarkable thought. You think about this. It says every everyone goes in front of the Almighty like sheep. You count the sheep. Everyone goes through a narrow path. So there's a, there's something that we need to talk about. We'll hopefully get this to this in the coming weeks about what it means to be a member of the public, a community servant. Our sages tell us that as an individual, you don't want to stand in front of a court. So it's very interesting. If you go to court, you'll see that they have, if you go for a speeding ticket, a parking ticket, anything that you have to go up to court, right? So you'll see that there's a table on the front where all of the lawyers sit. 
And now what they do is they don't come for one ticket at a time. They'll come with 300 tickets. And they'll say, okay, 300 tickets, what's the resolution? Okay, let's solve this, goodbye. It's much easier when you come with 300 tickets than to be as an individual. Sir, what did you do? And you have to answer for yourself. When you answer with 300 people, sort of, and you have this, it's much more lenient. You're like, you know what, okay, guys, let's work on a deal. That's why it's important for us to be part of a community. Because when we come as a community, it's very different than when we ask as an individual. And what, we have extra levels of mercy when we ask as a community. That's why our sages tell us a person should be a community leader. The more the community is dependent upon us, it's a very interesting thing. When someone is judged whether or not they should continue living or not, so all of the people who will be affected by it are judged as well. So the individual and their spouse, their children, their parents, their relatives, their friends, their neighbors, their community, their congregation, where they volunteer, all of the people that get influenced by this person are also judged that they're deserving of this person being taken away from them. So the more a person is a community person, the less likely it'll be taken. Because so many more people need to be judged negatively that they deserve to have this challenge. The more a person is a community person, the less likely they'll be taken. It's a very important responsibility that we have on Rosh Hashanah. By the way, in Rosh Hashanah, we don't pray a prayer only for ourselves. We pray for everyone. Every creation should know that God is the creator who brought him to this world. And that's what we pray for. It really is a remarkable thought. There was an amazing story by one of the heads of Mossad. One of the heads of Mossad, when he, I think it was the head of Mossad, or the head of Shabak, or one of the commanding officers in the IDF. I saw the video of him talking about this. He went to Alaska after he retired. He went to Alaska on a fishing uh, trip. And one of his guy told him, if you see a beer, don't run. He can run much faster than you. Turn around and tell him, straight to him, I am here. This is my land, and I intend to fish here. Okay? And sure enough, he was on his own. He's in, his, in a little space where he's fishing. And sure enough, he sees six meters from him, there's a, an enormous beer. And I think it devour him in no time. And he follows his instruction. He says, I'm here. This is my land. This is my space. And I intend to fish here. And the beer turns around and walks away. And he didn't understand. How does this happen? And he asked the guide. He asked the guy, he says, what, what, he says, it worked like magic. I says, I was terrified, but I said with confidence, just like you told me, he says, because he's an animal created by God. He knows that the world was created for man. So if you declare that you are a man and that this is your place, he's not going to take it away from you. But if you run, if you hide, if you don't understand how great you are as a human being, he'll eat you up alive. Right? It really is. It, it, it's, it's an unbelievable. I, I got to get that video for you. It really is powerful. We are the most awesome creations ever. We're humans. The highest of God's creations. 
the last of God's creations, because God prepared everything for us. Imagine if you were having the president eat in your house, whichever president you like, okay? Pick your favorite president, and he's coming to eat in your house. What would happen? They say you can have your friends, you can have your family. What would happen? What would you do to prepare for that auspicious occasion? You'd prepare a menu. You'd make sure you have great food. You'd set the table. You'd have everything, all of the people ready so that when your guest of honor comes, everything is ready. All the people are there. They're standing. They're waiting. The most important person is the last one to come in. That's exactly how creation was. God created the world, the sun and the moon and the light and the dark and the earth and, 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 the, and the vegetation and everything. What's the last grand entrance? Adam, creation of mankind. Why? That's the most important. It's the most important. We have to understand that God wants us. He loves us. It's not a battle. It's not a struggle. God says every day, when will my children see that I'm right here? When will my children connect to me in a way that is like a father and a child? Or a mother and a child? A parent as a child and a child? God is yearning for our connection. How come nobody told me this? I don't know. I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. And it saddens me. I hear that all the time. It saddens me. But there's no reason we don't understand the closeness that we have right there waiting for us with the Almighty. And it's real. Look, I'm not here. I don't want to know what synagogues or where, where people go. But that, I think, is rabbinical malpractice. That if people leave a synagogue, if people leave a place of, of, of service of, of God, and they don't feel a connection. Now, prayer is one of those forms of connection. Every mitzvah that we do. Don't forget that prayer is a rabbinic, or a rabbinic decree. That we have prayer morning, afternoon, and evening. It's biblically learned from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We have to pray. We do have to pray. We have to pray every day. But prayer doesn't necessarily mean all of the blessings and all of the verses. It means talking to Hashem. At the very minimum, we have to open up our hearts every single day. And say, Hashem, I love you. Hashem, thank you. Hashem, please help me today with this and this and this. I need your help. And it's guaranteed that you will see that help. Now, our sages constructed the form of prayer as we have it. So that it includes everything that potentially can, we can lose sight of. And, and, and we can forget. Right? For example, all of our prayer is about praying for the Jewish people. You know that? The whole Amidah. Now, if a person goes to prayer three times a day in synagogue but forgets to open his heart and talk to Hashem, that's not either good. A person has to know that it's not just saying words. We're not just reading from a prayer book from a sitter. The, the main purpose of prayer is opening up our hearts and talking to Hashem. And you don't need to be in synagogue for that. That's, I think, for myself, by the way. I've been doing these videos, this Torch Minute, and we send out a short video almost every day. And I've been doing the Corona lessons. I, doing, I did two of them. I'm planning to do a bunch more. But one of them is that we always think that we're limited to a synagogue in order to connect to God. And that's not true. It's within the ability of our mouth and the ability of our heart to connect to God. You can pray from your house. I actually had rabbis tell me, 
since Corona, my prayers have been skyrocketing. I've been much more holy, much more connected. Because I'm praying in my home. I can say every word. There's no rush. I don't have to chase a chazan who's saying it faster than me. I don't have distractions from people walking by, talking, schmoozing. How are you? What's going on? I can just sit in my study. I can sit in my home at my kitchen table and pray. And that's what people haven't understood that we could do all along. We don't need to be in a synagogue. Now, of course, synagogue is important. Again, we need to be part of a part of a group of people is much more powerful than being just alone. But still, we shouldn't forget the power of our own individual prayers. But that's the real ultimate goal is to get to a point where we realize that when we open our mouths in prayer, God is sitting there and listening. Every word is precious. God loves it. He desires it. And he fulfills those prayers, those requests. God wants to hear it. Hopefully, this Rosh Hashanah, we will be able to connect. We have now 28 solid days between today and Rosh Hashanah to really internalize this. Let's sit for a few minutes today and just talk to God. Turn off the phone, turn off the TV, turn off the radio, turn off the computer, everything. Just put it aside. Go to a different room and just talk to God, right? If you want to do it with your cup of coffee in your hand, that's fine, okay? Just talk to God. Talk to Hashem. He awaits our prayers. He awaits the conversation. And it's unbelievable. I, I, I just mentioned last week, I brought from one of the books. I was one of the, the, the holy books that are behind me. I was learning. It, it opened up my eyes to the Amidah, to a whole new level that I haven't seen my entire life. 42 years of my life, I didn't see Amidah like that. And now this, I feel like I was sleeping the whole time. All right, it's time to restart. To, to, to say our, my Amidah with a whole new perspective, with a whole new understanding. And I'm sure, sadly, in a year or two, I'll be learning a different book that opens up my eyes to a different perspective of the Amidah. I'll be like, I give up. Where was I this whole time? Where was I? I didn't even understand what I was saying till now. And each level that we unlock is a whole new world of discovery in that relationship with Hashem. So, my dear friends, my blessing is that we have the most uplifting, elevated, holy, peaceful, uh, successful Rosh Hashanah. It should be a day of judgment, a day of joy, that we're granted in, an incredible year ahead. I'll tell you, my grandfather, when he was invited during this time of the year to a wedding that was like after Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, my grandfather would never respond to the wedding invitation till after Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. He, wouldn't, he says, I don't know if God's going to give me life next year. How can I say I'm going to be coming? He wasn't joking about it. He was very serious. He says, if God gives me life next year, then maybe I'll be able to come. Right? But I don't know if he's going to grant me life. He says, right now, we're, right, we're like on, that, on, the, on trial. We don't know. And this is the time to prove ourselves. This is the opportunity we have to make our existence a holy one, to make it a special one, to make it uplifted. And God willing, we should all merit to an unbelievable judgment this Rosh Hashanah and be forgiven on Yom Kippur for all of our sins. You're all holy and pure. You've done no sins. But me, hopefully, God will forgive me for my sins and God will, will, will accept our prayers. Amen. You've been listening to the Jewish Inspiration Podcast, a Torch production. Become a supporter at torchweb.org because your assistance enables more Torah learning around the globe. To find more lessons offered by Torch, please visit torchpodcast.com.